Welcome to The Jet Vent with your host, Kane Mack. The Jets Everything Podcast. From game previews to game reviews and everything gang green. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and all your podcasts and providers. Jets lose by the final score of 31-28 to to the Las Vegas Raiders. Improving their record to 0-12. Yes, I say improving record because it keeps on the track for Trevor freaking Lawrence, baby. And we'll start with the fail Mary. The 46-yard touchdown to Henry Ruggs III. Unbelievable stuff. The tank is alive. The smart fan in me is going, this is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to this franchise. Are you kidding me? Greg Williams understands it. The Jets are going to get Trevor Lawrence. This is the greatest thing. Trevor, baby, come on down to the butt fumble, baby. And then it's like the other part of me. You know, and it's actually pretty sad. It's like my mom was an innocent Jet fan. There's not really... Under, like she knows that there's a draft and stuff like that, but she's not going like crunching numbers and and watching the tape and you know watching college. So like she doesn't watch college football or anything like that, and doesn't really care for it. And she's watching like this is the worst. Po- this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was so sad because I, you know, as a kid growing up as a Jeff fan, you don't want to see Owen whatever, you know, on the Jets record. You know, you don't want this to happen. Like, how can this happen? How how are you putting all the all your eggs in one basket on an undrafted free agent rookie and Lamar Jackson, not the good one, and man-to-man against one of the fastest players in the NFL? My mom is just so sad watching this. It's heartbreaking. It's terrible. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, I, 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 there's still a part of me that wants Sam Darnold to be the guy. There's still a part of me that wants him, you know, to throw for over 400 yards and be amazing. But he's just not that guy. He can't save this franchise. He can't. So for the best interest of the team, at the end of the day, I'm happy. But, man, does it suck to watch these games with my family that, you know, may not be as super into it as I am. And are really innocent into this. And not realizing what's happening. At the end of the day, we want to lose. But to like my mom, my sister, you know, so, some people that like, oh, co- you know, my cousin, little cousins and stuff. Like they want to see their team win on that day. Win the day. It's just not in the best interest of the New York football Jets though. And it sucks knowing that. <laughs> it really sucks. So let's break down this play right now. Now, I've seen a lot of people coming out and saying, oh, Marcus May made an unbelievable play last year against the uh, not New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the one-handed you know, deflection 
getting the ball away from James Robinson near the goal line late in the season last year, week 16, in fact, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Jets win the game, derail the playoff dreams of the Pittsburgh Steelers and basically eliminate them from playoff contention. And it's like, oh, well, it worked there. You know, this is what happens. It's cover zero. But it's a different type of cover zero. Let me explain this real quick. So the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, right? Let's bring let's bring it back. Bring it back a year. Week 16, you get third down and 7 on the Jet 44-yard line with about 51 seconds left in the game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers led by Duck Hodges have three receivers on one side with a tight end on the left. So what do the Jets do? Well, they have two corners going out and playing deep man-to-man coverage on the two outside receivers. Then the slot man is going to be bumped by the outside linebacker. And Marcus May has to get on his horse and get the most deep man out of these three which happens to be that exact guy, James Robinson. So, what happens? Get the bump. May goes and gets on his horse all the way to James Robinson, makes an unbelievable play. However, it's still a bad play call. (laughs) You don't run cover zero in a Hail Mary type situation. You just don't. And on this play, in fact, on the back end with the dog, get in the middle zone here, and a defensive back behind him actually having the responsibility of that tight end, you actually have six people in coverage on this play compared to three on Sunday. But what I found interesting was that the next play was fourth down, right, after that nice play by Marcus May. And you have what I think is more like the play call that was on Sunday than the third down and seven unbelievable Marcus May play. Because at the end of the day, you're in cover zero man, one safety, three corners, with one tight end, and three wide receivers. So one safety, three corners, versus one tight end, three receivers. Okay? You have... Jamal Adams is going to blitz. So that takes one guy out, right? Outside linebacker is going to blitz. Outside linebacker is going to blitz. Mike linebacker is going to blitz. And luckily, actually, on this play, Hodges actually fumbles the snap, gets it back, Adams is in his face, and he has a little miscommunication with Juju because Juju actually had an inside fly. Like, he's trying to get the leverage on the inside, and Hodges actually throws the ball to the outside. So, luckily, that ball falls down incomplete. Jets win the game. It's still a bad play call. It just happened to work out. And on Sunday, 
instead of Duck freaking Hodges back there, you actually have an actual NFL quarterback in Derek Carr, and you have a very talented first-round pick at wide receiver who's really, really fast, and he absolutely burns Lamar Jackson to a crisp. But I can't put any blame on Lamar Jackson because he's an undrafted free agent trying to make an uh, an unbelievable play when your coaches are putting you in the worst position possible to succeed. Like, there's no succeeding in that. No, no, no. There's no way. Unless somehow your pass rush can get to him. And this is why, and this is something that that irked me a little bit. The fact that the pass rush did not get a little bit of blame also. Like you have legitimately eight guys rushing the passer against, let's see how many people are protecting their quarterback. You have the five-down lineman, you have the tight end and Darren Waller, and the halfback. So it's eight on seven. Somebody has to be free. It's simple freaking math. Simple math. And nobody can get there. Now, I understand the safety in the middle was playing a little bit of a middle spy there. But eventually, he creeps up to the line of scrimmage when Carr steps up. And why the hell are you running spy anyway? Because the only thing that could beat you is if they score a touchdown. Why are you... Like, if you're gonna... Send the house. Send the house. Why is there even a spy? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But let's break down the pass rush step by step, right? So let's break it up into two halves. Let's go to the right side of the offensive line, right? Where there's no tight end. You have Henry Anderson in between the guard and the tackle. You have the outside linebacker outside the tackle and you have the dog linebacker which is Harvey Lange on the outside of the outside linebacker I think and this is just me this is what I think was the call you have Henry Anderson try to go from the B gap into the A gap You'll have your outside linebacker try to go from the outside C gap to the B gap, and you free up Harvey Lange on the blitz. There's nobody there. And then you have your Mike linebacker, which is Neville Hewitt, blitzing Oppo A gap. Quinnen Williams is there trying to get the B gap. You have the outside backer going in between the tight end and the tackle. And then you have a cornerback blitzing from the outside. Nobody really comes that close to getting to Derek Carr. Besides Neville Hewitt, and it's due to a couple of things. Number one, the right side of the offensive line does an absolutely dynamite job here. And sliding, blocking everybody. Basically, foiling the plan of one Greg Williams. Because you have Henry 
He's just running into the B gap. And he's supposed to go A. Game blocked out there, blocked out there. Lange takes a terrible angle. The center was able to get Neville Hewitt, get him off his path, create a path for Derek Carr. Carr steps up, delivers the pass. And on the back end, Quinn and Williams, which is this, this is left, left side of the offensive line now from left side perspective. Quinn and Williams does a terrible job, doesn't do anything. The outside backer gets blocked by Darren Waller. Nice block by him. And the corner gets blocked by Richard, the running back. Actually going in front of Carr and getting over from the right-hand side all the way to the left side of the offensive line and blocking him out. So it's a solid uh, pocket for Derek Carr to throw from. Sees Ruggs, hits him. Terrible job by the Jets from the play call. From the guys trying to rush the passer to the guys who are trying to defend the pass. Everything was terrible. Don't blame the Lamar Jackson. Blame everything on Greg Williams, 100%. And it's really something uh, I've never seen before. Ever. Like... Ever. <laughs> you never make this play call ever. I coach JV defense. You know, I'm the, I'm the defense coordinator at the JV level of the high school I coach at. <laughs> I would never do this, ever. And you're talking about NFL. You're talking about the best athletes in the world. And you, <laughs> you, approve, you call this play? You deserve to get fired, my friend. I'm sorry, Greg. We did it for the tank. And eventually, we're going to all laugh and think of this play and be like, "He's the, this is the play that landed Trevor Lawrence to the New York football Jets. All thanks to Greg Williams' worst play call ever. Ever. So let's, get, let's dive more into this game. Let's talk about the quarterback. Sam Darnold. 60% of his... Uh, completed 60% of his passes... 186 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, rushing touchdown, and two fumbles. Unimpressed, honestly. I really am, and it's really, really sad. I mean, he had his, you know, the the one shining moment drive where the coaches actually care and actually have a nice game plan for Sam in the offense. It's the one drive of the game. Drive down the field. Where he's four, six, fifty-three yards and has a three-yard touchdown pass to Jameson Crowder, which was his first touchdown pass since Week Three in the first quarter to Braxton Barrios in a, in Indianapolis. So you're talking about barely over a hundred yards after this drive, and really not having a sense of the pocket and getting strip sacked twice. Now the first one. Completely on Mackay back. Second one had a little more time to throw the ball, and you got to feel that. B, you got strip sacked before by the same dude. You got to be able to feel that. You got to know the situation. 
Like the Jets don't have the greatest offensive line in the world, and Makai did not have a good game at all in pass protection at all. But it's just, uh Like I just want to see him make a play. Like the Raiders have such a poor, poor pass rush, and for them to get like those two easy strip sack fumbles, just drives me insane. It really, really does. Especially by Farrell too. Ugh. Disgusting. And that interception. Oh my God, to Mullen. Like Mullen makes an unbelievable play on Paraman's hitch route. But you're talking about him being like he's completely covered. Like Mullen makes an unbelievable play to catch the football, but there's nothing to throw it to there. Like, Sam, what are you looking at, bud? There's nowhere to go. There's no perfect pass that can, like, there's no way that that Perriman's making a catch there. None. None whatsoever. But Sam forces it, gets intercepted. You know, I was just very, very unimpressed by Sam. I really, really was. And it's really, really sad. It really is. But on a positive note of the offense, Ty Johnson and Josh Adams running all over the place, baby. I mean, Ty Johnson, 22 attempts, 104 yards, a touchdown. He had two receptions for 13 yards. Awesome, awesome stuff. The first 100-yard rusher, I believe, since the Denver game in 2018 where Crowell had 219 yards rushing. Maybe. And also Powell in that same game had 20 attempts for 99 yards also. So that's that was an unbelievable rushing performance. And it's good to see. The offensive line was moving people, especially on the left-hand side. And that's why I said Makai had a really nice game run blocking, but pass protection was awful. But, man, it was awesome to have a run game again. But it does come at a price. Unfortunately, Frank Gore did get injured with a concussion early and was unable to come back at all in this football game. And I say unfortunate in, in all seriousness. I know that I've been annoyed, especially on this podcast, um, about Frank Gore being the feature back. Never want to see anybody get hurt or anything, especially a guy that's probably going to be in Canton, Ohio one day. But at the same time, he should not be the feature back at 38 years old. Maybe that's just that's just me, Adam Gase. Maybe that's, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. It's it's just it's just a weird circumstance. It's a weird situation. I hate the fact that it's like a part of me is happy that he gets hurt because it gives an opportunity for a younger guy like Ty Johnson and Josh Adams to get in there. Because I kind of want to see the young guys like we know what we have with Frank Gore. Three yards, four yards, maybe a carry. He's not breaking one, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's not a. He's not as elusive as he used to be. So it's just, it's just a really unfortunate thing, and you know. And I hope he does play, but I hope that they reduce his role and give Ty Johnson a more featured part of this offense, please. Like man, like it's just so annoying. Um, let's get more into. 
the younger guys, when we just talk about Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, how about our guy, Gidry? Javelin Gidry. Anybody know him beforehand? Because I barely knew this guy coming into this football game. Man, makes an unbelievable strip sack. Uh, the strip sack. Makes an unbelievable strip of Henry Ruggs III. Which, by the way, it looked like a folk-style res- uh, folk wrestling armbar. As he just held him down there and was able to allow Marcus May to recover the football. Now, let's get a little bit more acquainted with our guy Gidry here. Undrafted free agent, 22 years old, rookie out of Utah. Uh, he was the Cal California High School Sports Boy Athlete of the Year in 2017. Which, for our Yankee fans out there, CC Sabathia won the same award in 1998. That's that's awesome. It's cool stuff. I hope to see more out of Gidry on Sunday, next Sunday against the Rams. I'm sorry. Next Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm so sorry. So sorry. It's been a long week, okay? The Jets are playing the Seattle Seahawks. Good, good, okay. But another rookie defensive back did not have a, a good game whatsoever, and that's Bryce Hall. He gets mauled by Waller at the end of that freaking first half as he completely whips on a tackle. And then Marcus May can't stop the big tight end from scoring at all. Like legit outmanned all the way to the end zone by the I really think like one of the top three tight ends in football. Unbelievable game by Waller. We'll get to more about him in a second. And just this whole secondary really struggled in this football game. Yet again, another big issue is the fact that they don't run that much man-to-man coverage at all, you know, except when they send the entire house in the the last play of the game, of course, but uh, that's just me. I mean, jeez. So a lot of these games, you know, guys have brutal, brutal games, but I can't really, you can't blame any of them, can you? Like, really, you can't. And overall for the Raiders, like, man, Darren Waller, I mean, obviously game... He, he He's the player of the game, 100%. 13 receptions, 200 yards even, and two touchdowns. Like, unbelievable. Unbelievable type football game from him. Carr had 381 yards, three touchdowns, and Millette did get him on an interception, but that was because Ruggs couldn't catch a freaking football. And Carr had a rushing touchdown, so he had a really solid football game. Uh, Colin Farrell, Kellen Farrell, Cleland Farrell? Farrell. I don't know why I can't say his name that cleanly. Clean Farrell. Farrell. Why am I messing up his name so bad? Whatever. He had two sacks, and, and, and that was the two strip sacks for Sam Darnold. Jeff Heath led the team in tackles with eight total tackles, which speaks volume to the Jets' run game and overall blocking. Right? When the safety leads with the entire team defense and tackles and he got hurt in this game also so that's that's some positive stuff for the offense right did score 28 whole points in this football game you know not used to that and also i mean something we are kind of used to as jets fans and something that you know goes back to the rex ryan days uh, of really holding running backs to under three yards of carry and really making them earn it through the air which they have not done a good job at all this year. For, that's for damn sure. But in this football game, uh, the Raiders running backs total had 23 attempts for 67 yards, 
2.9 yards carry. That's what you want to see every time you step out on a football field. Of course, they couldn't stop Derek Carr and Darren Waller in this game, so that really negated that. But the Jets' run defense was really, really good. And a big part of that was Quinnen Williams, four total tackles, and he had a sack, three quarterback hits, six. So the Jets had six overall quarterback hits for the entire game. And, you know, when you account for half of that, that's pretty impressive. Good stuff. I don't know why he didn't have a great effort on that last play, but, you know, Q continues to have a really solid season. He has seven total sacks in 2020 and 11 games played. He only had two and a half and 13 games played in 2019. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's fourth among interior defensive linemen in sacks, fifth in solo tackles, and second in forced fumbles. He's been a really, really awesome player. And this is what you have to understand. The Jets don't have any cornerbacks. They have a, a rookie playing, you know, safety. They, they have one really good defensive back, and that's Marcus May. Everybody else is a rookie, undrafted, and, and coming out the wazoo. Like, as an interior defensive lineman, like, it's hard enough to get to the quarterback as it is. This guy has seven sacks. Seven. Seven in 2020. You're talking about a guy that's getting to the quarterback, although the ball is getting released so quick because the Jets can't cover anybody. Anybody. So it's awesome to see. He deserves to be an All-Pro this year. And hopefully the Jets will continue to build those corners and safeties through the draft just so we can just see Q just make that next, next step. Because it's really, really awesome to look at him on film and see how amazing he is at getting to the quarterback. And his pass rush is definitely there. And he is going to be definitely an impact player for years to come. Uh, the Jets' leading receiver, which is of note because Crowder was was really, really good with Sam. So, I mean, he had five receptions, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. It's always a positive thing to see. And hopefully he keeps that rapport with Sam and they try to build on some stuff. They try to build on something. I don't know. Sam's not going to be a Jet. Crowder might not be a Jet next year, but who knows? Continue to get stats for uh, wherever team they're going to play for next or Crowder's here for next year. Who who knows? Who knows anymore? <laughs> like I said before, and I'll say it again, there's a better chance of Joe Flacco being a New York Jet than Sam Darnold is in 2021. And that's just a fact right now, unless they win some games, which I would bet against them doing. <laughs> I would bet against the Jets winning the game for the remainder of the season, although they did keep it close in this one. The JMVP will go to uh, Greg Williams because he's phenomenal and keeps the tank going. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you enjoyed the show. Follow me on Twitter at KMAC72 and Parlor at KaneMac. That's C-A-I-N-M-A-C-K 72 and C-A-I-N-M-A-C-K out there on Parlor. Thank you so much, and continue to just endure the suffering, baby.